0: Head to patreon.com slash Healthy Chris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode.
1: We as mothers especially have this huge chance, this opportunity, this blessing to like change the world in so many ways.
0: I'm Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and mama of two, and this is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, where I believe every mama is a super mama, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't need to go on another diet to do it. This is a podcast about ditching the diet dogma, embracing intuitive eating, real food, and living healthy, happy, and whole. Hey there, Healthy Balance Mama listeners. Kristen here, back for another episode with an incredible guest I cannot wait to share with you. Jess is someone I need to give a personal introduction about before I give her professional introduction, because I know that getting to know Jess over the last year, as well as listening to her incredible podcast for even longer, Jess is one special lady, and I cannot wait to just hop on the phone and have a conversation with her. So I am so honored she's letting you all come along for the ride. So professionally, Jess Gartner is an athletic trainer, certified CrossFit trainer, blogger, recipe creator, and podcast host with a passion for real food, real connection, and sharing herself, flaws and all. A recovering perfectionist, Jess now focuses on supporting women in finding their truth, nourishing their minds and bodies intuitively, and creating joy in their lives as they navigate the motherhood transition. She pours her heart and soul into the Modern Mamas podcast and pushes herself to be vulnerable every single day on social media to hold space for women to be their authentic selves. She's a recipe contributor to the newly launched Baby Making and Beyond program and finds her joy creating nutritious and accessible recipes for health. You can find her food creations, lifestyle posts, and podcast episodes at Hold the Space Wellness and connect on Instagram at jess.holdthespace. When not working, Jess loves to spend time with her husband, Tim, two kiddos, Bear and Camille, and two large Great Pyrenees rescues. They are her greatest accomplishment. So welcome, Jess. I already said it, but I'm so excited to have you on. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I have to say it is
1: so fun to be on the other side of the podcast microphone. Um, I love, 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 love being a guest. And honestly, I'm listening to you talk about me, and I'm like, man, I need to compare that 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 biography down or whatever that intro down. That's a lot of stuff I've
0: got going on. Well, you do have a lot of stuff going on, and I think you need to share how much you've got going on because you oh, do gosh. have this really incredible, expansive like experience and life right now. And I think that you know, there's there's so much value in that. Well,
1: thank you, and I hope that speaks to. I deal with imposter syndrome a lot, um, as I know, like many people do in this space. Um, But I like that you mentioned that experience because I feel like you know I get a lot of people that that approach me and they're like, "Well, I want to do a blog, but I don't have X, Y, Z certification, or I don't like I was a major in history, but I'm really interested in health and like." You don't have to have a ton of certifications to share your story and make totally. an impact in this space. So I'm, I'm glad you kind of pointed that out. Yeah, I don't have a ton going for me other than a
0: lot of life experience, I think. But sometimes that's exactly what you need. And that's what you need to connect with women. And I think that's what you and Laura are doing on the Modern Mamas podcast is you both have some really great experience in your respective fields. But really, you come at it from like, we're two moms, and we want to connect with each other and connect with other moms and bring you incredible people that also have experience to really, you know, encourage you on your motherhood journey. Um if that's, you know, if that's a right kind of description of what you guys oh, do, that's what I yeah. feel from it, right? Um, you so, hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think I already, you know, I already shared that I've been a listener for a long time. So this is really, this is really fun for me to be on the other side over here too, being able to interview <laughs> you. Um, so, you know, I already shared your bio and you just, you know, I shared a little bit more about your podcast and you shared a little bit about um, your experience, but can you share sort of the story of how you got to where you are today in your business and your mission to support mamas?
1: Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? That's the (laughs) question.
0: (laughs) I could, how far
1: back do I need to go here realistically? No, I'm just kidding. I will sum up probably the first 27 years of my life by describing myself. Um, In one word, it's stressica, (laughs) Um, is what my friends and family would call me. I lived in this perpetual state of um, achieving and perfectionism and stress, obviously. Um, And I thought that was just who I was and who I was always going to be. And a lot of my, you know, my anxiety um, and need for achievement really demonstrated itself in food and fitness. Um, It kind of came out in that way. So I, you know, went through, I had a really amazing childhood growing up. And then in my teen years, kind of went through some really rough, rough things right before I went to college. Well, obviously going to college in and of itself is a huge life, like altering thing or you're on your own. And I went out of state for the first time. Um, ever really, and was in this whole new world. And I started really focusing on um, my weight um, for the first time ever. I'd always been that that girl who was like, I ate whatever I wanted to. I was really active in sports. Um, I didn't really care what I looked like at all. And all of a sudden, because of all these things going on in my life, I was out of control in a lot of ways. So I sought control through food and, and exercise. Mm. And I, I was, um, you know, I think I lost. I, I don't really know how much I lost truly um, because I didn't really know how much I weighed before this whole obsession with my, my body and the food that I was eating and all that stuff started. But um, I went down to about 90 pounds. I'm 5'3". I'm, I'm small, but like I was muscular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really lost probably a good 30 pounds, which is a lot in a small frame. And I weighed and measured and I weighed myself numerous times a day. And I worked out for like two hours. I was a high achieving in a, in a setting that was like very, very damaging um, to me. And so that had a huge impact on my life. I, I came out of that, um, I would say, Anorexia for sure, transitioned to like bulimia, and then from there, I I never actually sought professional help, but I had enough like self awareness, I guess, which is kind of crazy to be so deep down in that spiral that I still recognized that I needed to change because I was so unhappy. That um, I you know read a lot of books and worked on my relationship with food, and I started coming out of it on the other side. Um, And now I happily can say that I don't really struggle with that anymore. And we can talk about that later, I'm sure. But um, it really marked my 20s. And, you know, even as I struggled to find health, you know, and get to this place where I am now, um, you know, I've gone through many transitions to where it was like, okay, I'm not afraid of food, but I am, I do want to eat low-cal. And then, you know, that's the like fake maple syrups and Mm -hmm. like the, you know, I think I, I ate waffles like every single day. And you know, there's nothing wrong with waffles, but like, my perception of why I was eating those waffles was was skewed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then I started marathon training, and we've talked about this a little bit, I think, before. Yeah. Um, but like, that became an outlet, kind of like a sneaky outlet at times for me to be like, okay, I don't have a problem with food anymore. Um, but now I'm eating whatever I want to, but I still want to make sure that I don't gain weight. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. go run a marathon because it kind of married ev- all the things I could achieve something I could exercise in the name of like achieving something and I could also control my weight in a what I thought was a healthy way um and my marathon experience was kind of crazy um I ran it it was great and then I like
0: went to the hospital right after <laughs> oh my gosh I don't um think I remember marathon. you telling me that story <laughs> no
1: I it was crazy it was a combination of things I think I was sick I didn't drink enough water we I ran the marathon in Austin. And that's a pretty grueling course. So anyways, long story, really short. This is why I have a podcast because I cannot do anything succinctly. (laughs) And I have the gift of gab. But um, I met my husband and he introduced me to CrossFit and he introduced me to paleo. And even then, so my life changed very dramatically. And I realized I still enjoy running for the meditative aspect of it. Mm. Um, I love where my mind like it's very meditative to me. Um, but then I also like brought in shorter workouts to my life and I realized the benefit of being strong as well. And it was just kind of like this whole life changing process, obviously meeting your husband, changing your workout routine, changing the way you you eat um, and feeling very confident and loved in who you are and not how you look was a huge stepping stone. And so um, we I really, really changed a lot that year. That was I think we met when I was 27. Um, And so like my relationship with food was was so much better. And I've still even now, seven years later, transitioned out of like a I don't really live in any sort of camp. I'm not like paleo or keto. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know you're really into intuitive eating and being intuitive about that. I would say I'm I'm smack dab in that Mm -hmm. camp right now. Um, and that goes for exercise too. Um, if I want to run, I'm going to run. If I want to work out, I'm going to, you know, do a kind of a CrossFit style workout. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do everything in between whatever feels good and whatever feels doable. And that's a really fun place to be in. Um, I'm just, going to like keep talking forever and ever. To, please stop me if you have questions. No, I I
0: loved listening because I mean, our stories are so similar in so many ways that like struggle with wanting to control and that perfectionism. And then, you know, I use running as a tool for a really long time, a negative tool. And now I've kind of come into this space where it is more of a positive, you know, or not more of a positive. It is a positive thing in my life, but I'm not only running, I've incorporated more. So I'm just listening and nodding along and going, oh, yeah, I totally, I totally feel where you're at. And I love, I love your journey. So continue. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm
1: almost in, I promise.
0: Because now, so
1: I, I met my husband, and we, you know, we are really have a truly happy married, marriage for a lot of ways. It's not perfect, but we are really, Um, we just found this, this rhythm and this partnership that's been amazing. So he's been a huge, um, part of my growth as a person. And after we got married, we decided pretty quickly we wanted to have kiddos. And in my mind, it was like, I'm fit. I eat all the right things, check all the boxes. I'm like doing all the things, taking the prenatals. I took the birth class. I, we're going to do a birth center birth. It's going to be quote unquote all natural, even though I kind of detest that word. It's going to be an unmedicated vaginal birth um, because I think all births are natural. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be unmedicated vaginal birth and I'm going to do it in a birth center and it's going to be perfect. I'm going to have a perfect kiddo. I'm going to have a perfect pregnancy. I'm going to have a perfect delivery. It's going to be exactly what I want. Well, um, my first experience with birth was not what I had planned for. And as a, recovering perfectionist it was it was life-changing for me in a lot of ways obviously becoming a mother is life-changing no matter how you spin it but this even more so because I I did have an unmedicated vaginal birth that almost you you know I was right on the verge of having to transfer to get a Mm. c-section but I you know labored for weeks of prodromal labor and I pushed for like three hours, I suffered a really, really intense um, tear that required a lot, a lot of recovery. And also our kiddo had to be transferred to the NICU, which luckily was right across oh. the street. Um, You know, literally, probably like 30 minutes after he was born. And so that kind of set the stage for my experience. And unfortunately, while he was totally fine, there was nothing seriously wrong, we did have not the greatest experience um, at the hospital. And it also kind of forced me to realize again and again, how out of control of so many things that I was. Um, And so it was this huge awakening um, for me that I don't have control at all. And also, I thought that I had done everything that I was supposed to do. And yet, I didn't have the experience that I wanted. So we also had a, a pretty rocky nursing relationship that ended up, ended up being magical. We, we nursed for two years, um, about before we, you know, weaned and everything. But, um, that was hard. He also had colic and he had acid reflux. And oh my gosh. was all,
0: just,
1: I was like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Like I, I would cry and cry every day. And, you know, for a while there, I'm like, this is normal. This is, people are supposed to be like, people have baby blues, quote unquote, like, this is fine. Well, then it gets to be like three, four, six months in. And I'm like, this is not normal. I don't Mm. think I'm supposed to feel this way still completely overwhelmed, completely anxious. I mean, we wouldn't go anywhere when Bear was a baby because I was afraid he would cry and I wouldn't know what to do. Um, And so it was very, very isolating, like extremely isolating. And I mean I'll sh- spare you all the details but eventually we came out of it I thought I was not gonna have a kiddo another baby for for a, a good two years until Bear was about right about two I was I Tim would talk we would talk about it and I'd be like no I don't want any more kids I don't want to go through that again I can't handle it um and finally you know we started sleeping and you know things start I began to kind of get the fog lifted I guess and I'm mm. probably a lot of moms Kind of shaking their head, like, yeah, that's a real thing. It's like, oh, yeah, totally. You're so, you're so, like, involved with, like, how do I get through this huge transition? Um, that you know, it is kind of a fog. Um, and so, right about two years, we decided we we're gonna have another kiddo, and I was still not 100% sure if that's what I wanted to do, but I. He was about 80% sure. So I was like, okay, we'll give it a shot. It's probably going to take a couple months anyways, and I can wrap my mind around it. And we ended up getting pregnant really, really quickly, even more quickly than our first attempt. And we actually had a miscarriage. We miscarried that baby. And it was really a difficult situation, again, because it challenged me um, that I wasn't in control and that Mm -hmm. I did all the right things. And I took all my prenatals. I had great health and, you know, all these things. And yet we still had a miscarriage and it was devastating. It, it really was. We took the time to recover um, physically from it, even. Th- and I want to say emotionally, but I don't really feel like you ever recover emotionally from that. But, but um, you know, after that miscarriage, though, I do credit it for really making me realize I really did want another baby. I really felt like that, this was something that we were supposed to do. Um, and so we got pregnant again, fairly quickly. And, you know, I had to go, I was put on progesterone and a couple other things just to make sure like through the first trimester that that didn't happen again, because they were watching my levels and they were kind of showing signs that this, this might occur again. So, um, had a, a fairly easy pregnancy again, um, wasn't really active my second go round because, as you probably know, it, it's much harder to rest and <laughs> also have time to do activity or do anything with another kiddo already there. That's very, um, and so we had like, and I am an open book, but like I suffered the second time around, I had like varicose veins in my legs, which were really painful. And apparently they also get worse every time.
0: Oh, um,
1: I didn't know that. Pregnancy. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Um, and almost went through the same. I went through that same when Camille, both of my babies were, were late babies. They went like a week overdue, um, both times. And they also were very large for my size. They were like eight and eight and a half pounds and long, oh, wow. which I'm like, I said short. I, I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from. <laughs> these big long, giant babies. Um, but Camille's birth was really redemptive. We, I still, even though I was really scared, to have the same experience, um, we elected to go um, to ha- deliver at a, at a birth center. We had moved towns. And the, and the experience started off very similarly. And just so you guys know, Bear was posterior. Mm-hmm. And I delivered him posterior, which is partly wow. why our, <laughs> our delivery was so intense. Um, he And most babies, a lot of times babies will labor in in a posterior way. And then as they are coming down the birth canal, they will flip. Right, um, yeah. But he just didn't ever flip, which, ugh, looking back, that's crazy. But Oh my gosh, uh, yeah. I had a lot of same symptoms with Camille during early labor, and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the same. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it ended up being nothing like bears. She ended up turning. We delivered, I think I pushed like maybe 10 minutes in the water, which is what I had always wanted to do. Um, and we were laughing in between contractions where that was stark contrast to my first experience was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die type thoughts <laughs> like I can't do this yeah. uh, compared to the second go around. So it was really, really redemptive and almost, I mean, it It really, I don't know, it changed things for me. And it was at that point that I decided I needed to share my story because if I have felt like this and I know that there's tons of mamas out there who have, you know, essentially been in my shoes and done all the right things, quote unquote, and had a delivery that they, you know, didn't necessarily plan for. And I wanted to kind of have a safe place for those people to know that their experience is okay and that their feelings are okay and that what they – you know, their feelings are valid no matter what that is. If they were disappointed, if they were sad, if it wasn't that big of a deal, if, you know, maybe they planned a C-section and that's okay too. Like I wanted a space where all birth, all motherhood experiences, all all of it is okay and acknowledged and people feel empowered to like speak their truth. So that's kind of how the Modern Mamas podcast was born. Um, and then Hold the Space Wellness um, became a thing and now it's just kind of – really grown from there, long, really, really long story (laughs) to get to the point that that's, that's essentially how it's happened.
0: No, I, oh my gosh, I appreciate you sharing your story so much. Um, And I'm like, trying not to get emotional over here because I'm, I'm thinking back to, you know, to the, the episodes on the Modern Mamas podcast where you shared your birth story. And I have a similar, almost traumatic birth experience with, or I had with Sage, my five year old. And then really, truly, I feel like... And I, for a long time, I struggled with guilt over that, um, mm-hmm. over the fact that I didn't have that quote unquote natural birth that I wanted. I had planned a home birth in the water and I ended up with high blood pressure towards the end. My midwife was like, there is no way that it is safe for you to have a baby here um, at home. And so I ended up in um, a hospital. They didn't have, I was in Canada and they don't have birth centers like that. Actually, they do have one now, but they didn't um, five years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I struggled with so much guilt over, you know, I ended up with potato and an epidural Mm -hmm. and it was like so opposite and you know I was threatened a C section over and over again and I almost passed out while I was pushing and like all of this scary stuff Mm -hmm. and my kids are four years apart for a reason because I was terrified to become Mm -hmm. pregnant again I wasn't sure if another baby was almost worth that stress because Mm -hmm. something I, I haven't really talked a lot about on the podcast and Something I think we might chat a little bit more about um, is that I struggled a little bit, um, not necessarily with depression after she was born, but with anxiety um, and almost connecting with her. I think because mm-hmm. I was, I had so much fear after that birth experience, and I think that you really, truly do in in everything you do hold that space for moms. In that, like whatever your birth story is, it's okay. And it was how it was meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for I know that a, a lot of the women listening, you know, do believe in God like I do. And I I, I do believe that he redeems our stories in one way or another. And my birth with uh, my birth experience with Ren, my one and a half year old, it was an hour and a half and we almost didn't make it to the hospital. I didn't even have time for any drugs if I wanted them <laughs> because like she was like, OK, it's time to come out. My water broke. We got into the car. I almost gave birth to her on I live on an island and like on the. I was like basically in transition on the bridge to the mainland and we got there and the nurse thought I was crazy. I think she just thought that I was like a wild lady, like screaming. I wasn't (laughs) screaming, but like I was, it was happening. And I was like, no, like, like this is happening now. And she was like, you can't push on the elevator. (laughs) I "I can't. I mean, anyone who's been through that knows you can't stop the pushing.
1: Exactly. Come on. It's like your body.
0: Just do it. So we like we finally got up there, and and she came really quickly. And this was totally not supposed to be an episode with you know our birth stories, <laughs> but it's so I important. Think I think it's part of our stories, though. Yeah, yeah it is.
1: It, it's 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 huge. Share away.
0: Yeah, it it is. It's so huge, and I think that um, really you know having other women out there who are encouraging that it doesn't it doesn't have to be the same way the second time, Um, and even if it is it's still okay. You're not any less of a mom because your birth experience didn't go the way you planned. Um, and I think, you know, kind of to tie it back, a lot of those of us who are planners and natural perfectionists, like you describe yourself as a recovering perfectionist, right? We have this idea in our head and I'm I'm sort of speaking for, for all of those women and, and, and you know, you can agree or disagree, but we when we have this idea in our head of how we want something to go and it doesn't go as planned I think it can be it can be a struggle a lot of the times and I think that relates to our journey with you know with food and exercise and just life as a mom too um well yeah and I want to I'm glad you mentioned about
1: um your faith because I mean I don't I talk about it openly on our podcast but it's not a huge part of our of our like I guess store story in, in overall but for me it's huge Mm -hmm. Um, because I had clearly a lot to be taught (laughs) and I do feel like, um, God used these experiences to pull me out of something that was not serving me. That's this perfectionist idealism. And even like before I had kiddos, I was like, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to let my kids do this. And they're, Mm -hmm. they're only going to eat this way. And, God, it's, like, so judgmental I was in the past mm-hmm. uh, without ever having experienced anything, you know, of my own. I was had all these preconceived ideas about what I was going to do and what motherhood looked like. And now, thank God, I really am so grateful for my experience because it's, like, I, I mean, it's taught me a deep, deep, deep empathy for all women. Um, mm-hmm. Mothers are not um, just knowing that a lot of us have lived in that space before a lot of us are going through the same struggles as we go through the motherhood transition, even if we don't share openly about them. And I really am hoping to change that with our podcast, that it's not taboo to talk about an experience that maybe isn't full of all happy emotions, because don't get me wrong. Like there were, there were moments of joy in my like early motherhood experience for sure. And of course there was joy when Vera was born and I was like, my gosh, like, thank goodness. But you know, there were also really hard, 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 hard moments that I don't think people bring out into the open enough to where when someone else is experiencing that and they no one has shared with them that that it can be so difficult that certain things are really hard they're thinking they're alone they're thinking nobody else has felt this way before no one else has gone through what i've gone through because you don't see it and so like gosh how much more freeing would it be if people just talked about the hard parts too
0: you know <laughs> Totally, I totally know, (laughs) and I I I love that you are you are bringing the hard parts of motherhood into light because there is so much joy and motherhood. It's amazing, and I talk about this a lot. Like it's one of the most amazing journeys, but it is also one of the hardest. And I think that we we do we need to surround moms and and really just give them a big virtual hug and tell them that it's going to be okay, (laughs) you know. And that yeah, we do all have different experiences, but a lot of us have similar experiences too. And and be, um, and have that space, you know, for them to, to share their own stories with the people around them too. So I think that even, you know, if a woman is, is not in the public space sharing their stories, if they're listening to, you know, you and the guests on your, and Laura and the guests on your podcast, um, and even listening to me share about, you know, food and intuitive eating and, and they, you know, maybe they don't ever connect with me or they don't ever connect with you and Laura, but they, you know, come out and they, take what they heard and they use it to encourage someone else. I really think that there's a ripple effect from women, you know, knowing that they're not alone and being able to encourage another woman too. Totally.
1: 100%.
0: So how did then, how do you think that your, you know, yourself as this recovering perfectionist really changed in the, if this makes sense, I guess, um, in the transition to motherhood. So, like, so how did motherhood really, I guess, change your perspective on perfectionism?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, oh gosh. I mean, in every single way, starting from really starting from the delivery process and now on, Bear's almost six. He'll be six in August. Um, it has been every step of the way, it has been God nudging me and showing me in multiple ways that I do not have control, nor do I need control and nor is that attainable, uh, that perfectionism is not attainable. Had I never experienced what I experienced, I would have continually lived my life trying to achieve perfection, thinking that I could, thinking that Mm -hmm. if I just did X, Y, Z a little bit better. Um I would I would get there. If I lost just a few more pounds, I would be perfect. If I, you know, exercised a little bit more, then I would be a better quote-unquote athlete. And really what it what it did for me was, you know, teach me that you can do everything that you think is going to make you perfect um and still quote-unquote fall short because Really, what it did was it it ripped away the the idea that there is anything that's perfect. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you know what I mean?
1: Like, at least here on this earth, there's nothing that I can ever aim for that's going to be perfect. Um, it's all flawed. We're all flawed. And who am I? Who am I trying to compare myself to in terms of perfection? Is it some other mom on the inner the web that's just sharing the highlight reel? Like, is that perfect? No. Like, we know that that's not perfect. Um, so it's, it's an illusion and I'm so glad that I was exposed to that fact because it's, my life is so much happier. Even, even considering all of the like difficulty and the pain and the postpartum depression and anxiety and all the things that I've been through, I can now say on the other side, like I've learned to relinquish that control. I mean, not always because again, I'm not perfect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not perfect. There are days, especially when I feel like there's a, I'm overwhelmed that I really grasp for those straws to try and control. Um, But in the end, it's like, I'm so much happier knowing that I'm not in control and that there's nothing I could do that will ever um, make me perfect. And there's a million things I can do that will make me good. Right? Like, I love that quote. There's love that. There's not one way to be a perfect mother, but there's a million ways to be a good one. And so I had to really, like, I mean, that's just, I live by that, you know? I don't know if that answered your question,
0: but... Oh, no, totally. I love that. And, you know, what popped into my head is, I don't even know where I got this from, but I heard this in early motherhood that, you know we're all the perfect mothers until we become one, right? And (laughs) it ties into what you were talking about earlier and feeling like you were going to do motherhood this one way, right? And I think that is still in that, you know, that perfectionist mindset that we are going to do it this way because that's the way we're going to do it. And then we become moms and we have to let go of it or else we do, I think, live in this perpetual state of dissatisfaction with ourselves, with our motherhood um, and, you know, yeah, just ourselves as a whole. So, no, I, I love that. So yeah. I want to, if you if you're okay with it, dig a little bit more into some of the s- things that you've struggled with. Um, so yeah. I. I always value your transparency on the podcast and on social media, especially. Um, You've been really honest and you have already been on the podcast today um, about your struggles with anxiety and depression, um, both, you know, just after having kids and then at different times in your life. And you did a post on Instagram recently um, on tools to pull yourself out of a low season. And Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could share some of those here with my listeners, because this isn't something that we have dug into on the podcast yet, but I know how many mamas, even just in my own life, like good friends. And so if I have this many good friends dealing with this kind of stress and anxiety and depression as moms, I know that there's women out there who, who need to hear more about that. So can you share a little bit more? Oh yeah, totally. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. Um, and I will say, I mean,
1: people that know me, they probably know me like, like I said, that the first 27 years of my life and then the, the second i guess and plus more um is kind of like a completely different person and so i was stressed anxious depressed i mean really battled that quite frequently throughout my life just very un more more ups and downs than i probably care to admit um and so you know, over the last, like I said, seven, eight years, things have really shifted a lot. And I live mostly, full disclosure, I live mostly 90% of the time in a state of really amazing joy, Um, Mm -hmm. joy and high energy. And I'm, I truly 100% percent am not faking that I am really happy, even when things are hard, even when things are like stressful, you know, we took a bunch of, we had a bunch of job shifts leaping into like entrepreneurship and my husband as well and moving and new kids and all these things that would make anyone stressed. And of course, like there's moments where I I deal with that. Um, But at the end of the day, it's usually like, it's okay. It's okay. Like no matter what's going to happen, it's okay. And I, and I have to say a lot of that does come from my faith Um, Mm -hmm. and getting more in tune with that and knowing that like just having a trust um, in that, but also on the other side on the flip side, there's a lot of practical things that I've done to help me stay mentally as healthy as possible as I, as I possibly can, um, throughout the ups and downs, because there are going to be ups and downs, no matter who you are, right? Like no one can stay happy 20, 20 year, 20, or, what did I say? 20, hundred percent of the time, <laughs> maybe even 20% of the time. Yeah, it depends no on the can, day, right? <laughs> yeah. It depends on the day. Um, and so like that happens to me, it happens to me just like it happens to everybody else. There's, there's periods of this, like just low, I I call it like low energy. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of the way I describe it. But, um, practically I cannot say enough about therapy,
0: um,
1: being like number like priority number one, um, and whether that's a traditional counselor or, or like a Christian-based counselor, because there are many really good ones in both veins, depending on your beliefs, um, that can really be a safe place and teach you tools to um, not necessarily never feel sad again, but how do you handle that the sad periods of your life, and how do you also get yourself out of those? periods. Um, and so I would say therapy, number one. And then, and so recently it's fresh on my mind. Like you said, I posted about it, but I went, I had, I mean, amazing things happening in my life, A successful, booming business, really amazing friendships and connections, like following a passion, a true passion. I, I'm living out my dreams. And I still, for a period of about two, three weeks, very recently, it was like, I, I'm done. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I just need, I feel sad. I feel like unmotivated. I feel, you know, like I don't want to talk to anybody. Um, and I'm a very extroverted person, which is that those are red flags. And so Mm -hmm. what I do now, um, and this is something I've actually learned from parenting, (laughs) which I've learned quite a lot of things from parenting a small child with, you know, very intense ups and downs emotionally, Um, because kids they just they feel those things they feel them no one's yet taught them that that you shouldn't feel the things that you're feeling you shouldn't be sad yes yeah you shouldn't tell people when you're sad or happy (laughs) no one's one's taught that to them and I hope to never teach that to them that's one of my like guiding lights but I thought to myself okay if Bear was sad what would I say to him or Cammie was sad would I be like hey you know buck up like get over it would I be like you know you can't cry like no I wouldn't say that to him of course I wouldn't I would be like it's okay to be sad and these are the things we do say to him it's okay to be sad like do you want me to hold you while you cry like it's okay to cry it's okay to feel all these things and so essentially I just told myself that that was the first step like it's okay to feel sad um, you don't have to know exactly why, and you don't have to move past it any faster than you really, you know, are comfortable with. And so I, that's the first step I do. I just feel the feelings. I tell people I'm sad. <laughs> like I'm not ashamed of it. I'm like, I don't know why, but this is what, what I'm feeling. And I've been lucky enough to, you know, have really surround myself with people who hold the space for me and acknowledge that and don't try and change me. And then, you know, I do realize that like, through that time of feeling sad therapy is important because you also don't want to get to a place where this is where you live now. Right. Like I'm sad and I can't figure out how to be unsad because I think there's a healthy amount of feeling the feelings. um, And I think no one can really tell you what's healthy for you. But I also know that like, if I stayed down here, if I continue to just do the things that I know will feed into my sadness, then it can be dangerous um, for me and for my family and, you know, just my soul. And so I start doing, I start, there's another quote that I kind of live by. Like you can't rely on motivation because motivation is going to go up and down all around, all over the place. Like there are moments where you're chasing after a dream and your motivation is not going to be there. I rely on habits really Um, and that's the thing that kind of keeps me moving forward. So when I'm trying to come out of something that's really difficult, it's like, okay, what's one thing I know one thing, just one thing today that I can do that I know will make me feel happier or will make me feel maybe a little bit more like myself. And like this, this recent situation, it was like, I'm going to get up, I'm actually going to get dressed. I'm going to put on clothes and I'm going to actually put maybe a little bit of makeup on. And so I did. And it was like, okay, I feel good. Like, my husband was like, oh, you look really nice. I'm like, I do look nice. So that was step one. And then the next day it was like, you know, during those times I usually like kind of go hardcore introvert. I, you know, watch a lot of TV, which I normally don't do. I eat a lot of, you know, foods that I probably normally wouldn't reach for. Um and I'm aware of it, right? Like I know this is kinda like what I'm what I do now Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling these things. And so and then I say, Okay, today I'm going to, you know, take the supplements that I haven't been taking that I know make me feel really good. Um and so I'm gonna do that. And then it's just kind of this ripple effect. Like, and then the next day I'm gonna drink water because I haven't been drinking any water. I basically like stop taking care of myself when I'm feeling all these things. And so I'm gonna drink water and I it's like you do those things and you start to feel better and then the feeling of feeling better is better than the feelings of feeling sad. Cause you know, some people can get like addicted to that, like mopey sad, you know, feeling to where it's like, yeah. this, feels, this feels comfortable. It's, it's okay here. Like I'm, I'm all right here. But then when you start doing things that make you, light up and make you feel joyful. It's like why would I want to sit down there when I can be over here? And so it just kind of becomes a snowball effect. I start moving, um which I usually kind of fall by the wayside. I get back to my meditation practice, which has been huge for me, which I'm happy to talk about too. Um and then I start like seeking out counsel from people close to me and telling them how I'm feeling and asking them to pray for me and asking them, you know, to meet with me just to have, have coffee. And it it has worked so far. Sorry, that's another long story short. Did that actually answer your question?
0: Oh, totally. And there's so many things that I was thinking about when you were talking that I'm just like, oh, these things are so good. So much valuable. Oh, so many valuable tools there. I think that I really love that you mentioned therapy a few times because I think that there, unfortunately, is still a stigma around therapy for women, for moms, especially those of us who are recovering perfectionists, because we think we can do it all ourselves. And um, I think that moms and women in general need to know that it is okay and healthy to seek out help when they really do need help. Mm -hmm. Um, Because professionals can do what we can't do, but at the same time, also seeking out community and women that you can speak with who might have had similar experiences to you, who might have felt similar ways. I think both can be so beneficial and valuable and even if you have no one in your area, I know that when Sage was first born, um she's, you know, she's five now. And so we lived in Toronto at that time. Um If anyone has listened to my story, if they haven't, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Um <laughs> But we lived in Toronto at the time. And we had a couple of Nick's, my husband's sailing buddies, who had just had kids, but I really didn't have any friends around with kids. And my friends back home didn't yet have kids. And so I felt very isolated, um, very alone. And I was, I was struggling a little bit with, with feeling anxiety and not feeling really connected. And it was really like an online community, as silly as that, that might seem to some people, but there are some amazing online communities out there that if you have no one around you, <laughs> find some community somewhere, find a therapist, yeah. but find some community. Like I know you guys. Have the Modern Mamas Facebook group, which is amazing. Yeah, that's say, okay shame, for me to mention. Plug, <laughs> but we have a really awesome group. Yeah, going. it's really, really supportive. Um, and you know, I, I have the Healthy Mama Life community, which is a little bit more more health focused. Um, but really, you know, women lifting up other women. Um, I think it's it's really important to have that community um, and just know that it's. And yeah, just having I guess having other women around who tell you that it is okay to share your feelings I think first and foremost a lot of us tend to you know kind of I guess maybe not pretend that our feelings don't exist but we feel like it's it's wrong to mm-hmm. to feel our feelings and to experience our feelings but that really is the first step and then I love that um I'm just kind of thinking about all the things you said that I I think were so amazing that um, it really is the little steps. And we talk about that in terms of health here on the podcast, too, because I'm so big on, you know, intuitive eating isn't just about eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full. It's about finding real, true nourishment that works for you. So how Mm -hmm. can you develop habits that feel really good to you? And I, I think the same thing like you were talking about when you're in that low place, what is one thing that you can do today? To feel better even if it is just putting on some clothes and putting on some makeup or drinking more water or taking those supplements it really can just be those little things that that add up to to really feeling better I think those are some incredible tangible tools that that moms can take with them if they are in that space um, but you know go to therapy find a community <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
1: I want to say another word about therapy really quickly but it's like you know, it's like anything, like if you hired a health coach or if you hired someone to help you with your eating, a lot of times we can do the work ourselves, quote unquote, like you could probably read a ton of books about mindset, about how to, you know, self therapy yourself, I guess. Um, but how it's usually a lot more effective when you can hire someone who this is their whole life that they, they have spent this, is their life's work is helping people from an outside perspective you know shift this the their mindset and find a healthy balanced mental state. It, it's just there's something to be said about hiring someone to help you through that. and it's not like and I still think even if you hired like a personal trainer and you paid for a package up front and you got your foundation really set and you got all these tools about how to take over your own fitness eventually, you know, and you're off on your own, still sometimes you check back in. you're like, hey, I've hit a plateau like what else can i do and you know you check back in with your coach and then you get these tools and you go on your way and i think with therapy a lot of times people think like if i'm in therapy i'm failing i didn't know how to do it myself um but that's not true a but also like they think they have to be going every week forever and ever for the rest of their lives and for some people maybe that's true but for me it's like you go you learn these tools you learn more about yourself and then it's just like regular maintenance it's like every once in a while you check back in and be like once a month or every couple months like hey this is what's going on this is how i'm feeling these are the tools i'm using where can i can i do something that will will you know supplement what i already have or like i'm feeling this way is there another tool that will help me so therapy great two thumbs up <laughs>
0: yes and i think that you know i think that is a tenant of a good therapist is one that does give you tools to move Mm -hmm. forward because you so that and you can take them with you and move on because if you feel like you're going week after week after week and not making any progress maybe you need to see someone else who's going to give you some tools that you can that you can really truly use to
1: move forward anything it's like if you were going to a personal trainer and you were paying every week and you weren't seeing any changes and you were doing the work on your part like that's okay like there's a disconnect here like why would I keep paying you for for no change. And I think shopping, or, I don't think there's anything wrong with finding the right fit because a lot of people will say, well, I tried therapy and I just really didn't like it. I didn't like my therapist. And I'm like, okay, there are hundreds of thousands of <laughs> yes, yeah. that are out there that you, perhaps might be a better fit. So
0: don't throw the yeah. baby out with the bathwater on that yes, one. Yes, totally. So I wanted to transition a little bit into slightly different topic, but it's still really in that that mental health space. Um, and sort of speaking of social media, again, I promise I'm not your social media stalker, but I do love following <laughs> you. <laughs> there was a post that you did recently, and I think I looked it up and it was in early March. Um, and I'm pretty sure it went viral. If it didn't, it should have. Um, first of all, it was a beautiful photo. Um, but the caption that went along with it, I know I saw the photo and you immediately want to read the caption. Um, and I didn't even expect it to make me as emotional as it did. So it was a photo of your belly after growing and birthing babies. Um, but it was what your son said after seeing the photo that really got to me. So can you share about that moment and how you've come to the place you are with your body image?
1: yeah oh my gosh that what a wild ride that has been too um so that photo is kind of the culmination of like my journey my journey with with my my the relationship I have with my body. And um, it's, again, motherhood has taught me so much. And one of the things, the the huge things that it's taught me is that I don't have to fight my body, that my body is wonderful. And that my body is capable and magical and strong. And all of these things that I never believed in, I was always living in this place, like, how can I get my body stronger, sort of, but more so like, how can I make it smaller? How can I make it look more like that person over there, whoever that person is, the one with the perfect body that I was like coveting. Um, and then also realizing that like there was absolutely nothing wrong with my body in that, that space in my life. I was by all standards, thin and fit and had abs and wore bikinis and just, you know, ran around. But on on the inside I was, I thought I was hideous, you know, like I I'm looking at myself back in those days and I'm like, Oh my God, you were gorgeous. And you lived in this state of thinking that you were just disgusting. I mean, I, that sounds harsh, but, like, those are the thoughts, the kind of thoughts that went through my head back in those days. And, you know, after motherhood, again, this was another big teaching lesson was I thought that I I – I only gained, I I mean, it's not really important, but I gained like 30 pounds during Bear's pregnancy and I gained definitely more with the second one. I did not weigh myself the second go round, though, um, which was That's a huge awesome. shift. Yeah. I just told my midwife I didn't want to know and that she would tell me if my weight was becoming a concern and she never did and I never did either. So, um, but the first time around I was obsessive about it and I thought, uh, again, like I'm doing CrossFit, I'm doing all these things. Like my body is going to bounce back. I, I mean, I was working out five days a week up until like Bear was born. And my mom, you know, was small, and my sister who had had a kiddo before me. I thought my genetics are great. Like this is going to be wonderful. And I like didn't really have a ton of stretch marks. And again, in my na na, na- what's it called? Na naivety.
0: Yeah, I was naive. <laughs> Naiv- <laughs> you know? n- naivety. Naivety. Yeah. I know. And I'm trying to. <laughs>
1: You know what we're trying to say. In my naive state, I thought that I would just, you know, walk out of that hospital and I would be back to my myself a couple of days later, my quote unquote myself. Um, and that did not happen. <laughs> and um, I <laughs> remember thinking, I still look seven months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm like two weeks postpartum, I'm like what is going on? And of course, you know, everyone's like, oh, it'll, you know, it'll go back to normal. It'll shrink back down. Everything's fine. Well, it did obviously to a certain degree, but like my body does not look like I did not have a baby. And for a long time I was wanting to look like I never had a child. And that was a huge shift for me. I have a diastasis recti, which that split in the abdominal wall. Um, mine is really severe. It's, it's probably surgical grade. Um, I'm, I've, Done a lot as a birth fit coach, um, you know, as an athletic trainer, like the physical aspect of my recovery, I've I've worked really hard on. But now I, you know, having set told myself, I have done everything I can, and this is the way my body looks. I'm not going to starve myself. I'm not going to try some crazy, you know, fad diet. I'm not going to try some weird supplement that someone tells me is going to, like, make my stretch marks go away. I'm not going to exercise for five hours a day to change this very, in the scheme of things, um, unimportant thing about me. I'm not going to waste any more mental time focused on this as part of like who I am because it's the least interesting thing about me. And but I mean it took me a long time to get there because I would cry and I'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm never going to wear a bikini again. What is my husband going to think of me?" Well, turns out he still loves me no matter what.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know,
1: he doesn't care what I look like. He's proud of my body. He's proud of the fact that like it's birthed two children which has been huge um, in my my journey with myself, just his support and like unconditional love. But also like I do know for a fact, even if he wasn't, I would still be here because I have done that like mental work and that like just the hard work to get here. So all that to say, my body has never bounced back (laughs) and it definitely holds on to, you know, while I'm nursing, again, I wasn't that person who like lost all the baby weight cause I was nursing and like, you know, and then some, I, you know, my body, I think just because being kind of small, um, holds on to, you know, extra fat for nursing fuel so that I can, you know, support the life of another human. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it was a lot of things that I had to kind of go through to get to this point where it's like, okay, I'm totally fine with this. If I never wear a bikini again, It was the least important thing in my life. And if I wanted to wear a bikini now with the way that my stomach looks, I would, Um, you know, and maybe I will get to that that place one day. But that the purpose of that post was I realized how big of an impact what I think of myself and what I say out loud about myself and what I say you know, it just shows if I, if I live my life every day, um, you know, saying like, oh my gosh, I'm fat. Oh my gosh. I need to go on a diet. Oh my gosh. Look at the stomach. It's so, you know, gross. Um, my kids hear everything that I yeah. say, and you know, this the first time they say a curse word. You're like, where did you hear that from? And you're like, <laughs> Dang it. That one time I said, something. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they heard us. And, um, so I really realized the impact of what I, how I think about myself and how I, ha, how I talk to myself and especially now having a daughter, um, you know, that's even more so important. But honestly, I feel like with my son, it's just as important because, he, because he's one day going to have a wife, a daughter, a girlfriend, you know, he has a sister, he's going to have women in his life regardless. And if he's part of the problem, thinking that, a woman has to look a certain way to be good, quote unquote, or perfect, um, then I'm not doing my job. I'm not doing my job breaking the cycle. Uh, I'm just creating more of what I struggled so hard against. And so that post was a moment where I was, I took the photo, I didn't really know what I was going to say about it. um, But I knew I wanted to kind of put it out for the world to see, because again, I think the more, the more people see bodies like mine who are not perfect, um, by society standards, I'm always doing air quotes because I think again, perfect is an illusion. Right. Um, the, the less like the, the more yucky it becomes. Cause a lot of times people look at, maybe if people looked at my picture and they were like, "Ew, that's gross. Um, but maybe they saw it and they were like, Oh, okay. That's what it looks like after you have a baby sometimes. Um, And it becomes more of a normal thing. But for him, I was editing the photo and he came by, he was like, he had his little Lego airplane and he stopped and he kind of looked at the screen and he was like, you know, I kept expect, I just paused, I didn't say anything. I was waiting for him to talk because he's a very truthful kid. And I thought, honestly, he was going to say, ew, that's gross. (laughs) Because I mean, to a little kid's eyes, it's like probably not the most attractive looking thing in the world, but... (laughs) Um, he didn't say anything for a long time. And then I was like, I was like, what do you think about mama's belly in that picture? And he was like, I think it's great. And then he ran off flying in his airplane. <laughs> and while that's like kind of a funny story, it was, ki- it was a huge eye opener for me. Cause I was like, he doesn't care and he doesn't think that it's gross. And that's amazing. And how can I preserve that? And oh my gosh. Like this is mind blowing. Like people care because we've been taught to care. Yes. and Yes. If- start with our kiddos our own kiddos and the way we talk to ourselves. essentially um then we can like really change the status quo around this whole like your body is what people see and what is important um again i'm very verbose (laughs) but that's that was the point of the story is to say that we as mothers especially have this huge chance this opportunity this blessing to like change the world in so many ways
0: Friends, I have to tell you, I had so much fun talking to Jess on this podcast. I felt like we could talk for hours, and it turns out that we talked for almost two hours. So I am going to pause this podcast right here and split it up into two episodes so I don't take up too much of your time, but so you have something to look forward to next week when we come back with part two of my podcast with Jess Gartner, all about body image, finding balance, stress and anxiety as a mom, and even a little bit on safer skincare. The second episode is going to be just as good as the first. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope to see you here next week. Thank you friends so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I truly hope it encouraged and inspired you today to live a healthier life without restriction. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you do me a huge favor and give it a star rating and review in iTunes? Every rating, review, and subscribe helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear it. You can find me, Kristen, on Instagram and Facebook at Healthy Mama Chris, or on my website, HealthyMamaChris.com. And don't forget to join us in the newly launched Supermama Society, a monthly membership to help you tune in to your intuition and nourish yourself without restriction. To live like the Supermama, I know you are. As a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are intended for information and inspiration only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friends.